Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. This episode is brought to you by Generation You Can, a product I believe in and have been using for years. Generation You Can delivers smarter energy powered by a super starch. This is a naturally cooked non-GMO food starch that provides a slow release of complex carbs to steady your blood sugar, keeping you fueled and feeling good. You can count on sustained endurance, no spikes, no crash, no sugar added, and it's gentle on the stomach. This is a steady, long-lasting energy for athletic performance. And you listeners can save 15% on all UCAN products when you use the code ANOTHER. Visit shop.generationucan.com to save. Use the code ANOTHER to save 15% off your order. All right, today you're listening to episode 142, and I'm talking with Katie Najat. Katie is a pole vaulter recommended to me, and I loved chatting with her. She is sponsored by Nike. She's a U.S. national champion. She's a two-time NCAA champion, and she placed fifth at the Olympic trials in 2016, so she is looking for a spot on the 2020 team. And not only is she looking for a spot, she also is looking for a gold medal one day. In this episode, we talk about her career path and what it looks like to be a pole vaulter, a sponsored athlete. She teaches us about the sport, and we also talk about things like body image and her relationship with her dad, who passed away when she was only 16 years old. So a lot of heartfelt stuff in this episode, but a lot of education as well. And she's got a real fun personality that I know you guys are going to enjoy. You guys go follow Katie over on Instagram. She's K-T-N-A-G-O-13. She's definitely a fun follow. You guys can find me on Instagram as well. I'm lindsayhine626. And one more sponsor I want to thank before we start my conversation with Katie is Ubiome. Your gut is home to trillions of microbes, about as many as the amount of human cells in your body. These microbes help you digest food, manufacture vitamins, improve your mood, and even fight off illness. So you've got places to be, but is your gut keeping up? You can find out with SmartGut by Ubiome. SmartGut is a quick and easy at-home test that helps you understand if your gut bacteria are working with you or against you by screening for microbes associated with IBS, IBD, and other chronic conditions. Sampling is quick and easy, and it takes less than three minutes. SmartGut is healthcare provider ordered and reimbursed by most health insurance. Request your SmartGut test today. Go to ubiome.com slash another. That's U-B-I-O-M-E dot com slash another and check it out. All right, let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Katie. Today on the show, we have Katie Najat. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Katie and I just had an extended conversation on uh, how to pronounce her last name. <laughs> <laughs> you, me, you, and everyone else. <laughs> she, um, she, it, she's telling me it's French though. Najat. Yes. So there's no ja sound in the English language. So I think that's where it throws a lot of people off. It's very exotic sounding though. I feel like you could oh, be like a famous movie star with that name. Uh, or maybe a famous athlete one day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, that that's in the works here. I've I've told myself that when people can pronounce my last name without me having to tell them that I've made it. Like that's my sign. <laughs> that is so true. That is so yeah. true. So you were recommended by uh, Kelsey Abby. Yes, Kelsey is one of my best friends. Not just on the pole vault circuit, but just we grew up together in Ohio and we pole vaulted against each other at the state meets growing up. And she had won sophomore and junior year and then I won senior year. And we just, we kept in touch 
pretty well. And then when she, I had moved down to Knoxville, uh, right after college. And then she ended up moving down there as well, just to train with a different coach. But we had stayed in touch well enough that, um, we just, we really hit it off and got really close down there. And then, yeah, we've just kept a really good friendship ever since. It's really fun. But she can, is she a Canadian athlete though? Yes. So her, I believe it's her dad is Canadian, um, but she grew up in Ohio and she competed in Ohio in, in high school. Okay. So tell us about, uh, getting into pole vaulting because, you know, I did track and field in high school and I don't remember there being female pole vaulters at my specific high school. I know they were around, but the girls, I don't think really got into it too much. Yeah, it's still a really new sport for women. Um, the first time it was in the Olympics was in 2000. So oh, it's, wow. okay. it's really young. And so I started in middle school in 2004. Um, and I just, I saw the high schoolers doing it when we went out to track practice the first day. And I was like, I need to try that. It just looked so fun. And I think it was really rare for high school or middle schoolers, I'm sorry, to, to do it, especially that young for, for girls. Um, and so, yeah, it just, I think it's blossomed exponentially in recent years. I think that's why records, I think you see more and more women jumping higher and higher and why there's three, four, five women capable of jumping a world record on any given day right now, as opposed to just one, maybe two, just blowing everyone else out of the water. Um, I think it's there's a lot more knowledgeable coaching out there as well. I, I especially for the women, I think it's it's exciting and it's it's young and it's I I think there are a lot more girls getting into it, and I think you'll just see a boom of just really phenomenal elites coming in the next few years. So you were a gymnast growing up. Yeah, I was a gymnast uh, competitively just through level four. So that's like the first level you could be a gymnast and uh, like and travel um, in competitions. And so I loved it, but I hated the amount of time. And I, I guess I loved being able to do a lot of different sports. And if you were a gymnast at a competitive level, that was all you could do. Yeah, That was it, that all your time went into that. And I was eight, I was eight years old. So I wanted to play soccer and I wanted to go with my family on the weekends to go skiing. And I wanted to just, I wanted to try everything. And, and I was, I was really good at it. I remember when I left, my parents asked me because the gym kept calling them like, (laughs) please, can we get her to stay? But I'm so happy that they didn't force me to stay because I, I would have hated it. Um, I was already to the point where I didn't enjoy it because it was just so much conditioning and you're in the gym three to four hours a day after school. It was just a lot at that age. Um, but yeah, I think you see a lot of gymnasts that just with their body awareness, upper body strength and their love of adrenaline related sports, try pole vaulting next. And so it was a few years down the road, but I I knew that pole vault was going to be a good fit. 
man, kudos to your parents for that. That's tough, yeah. especially when you see a talent in your kid and you want them to excel, but you can't push them if they don't love it. So this transitioned to pole vault eventually when you were in middle school. So I look at pole vault and I think that looks terrifying. <laughs> so did you ever have a fear of, of the height? Um, no, I think you work your way up so slowly and surely that I don't think you really have a chance to be afraid of the height because you're just working your way up inch by inch. But yeah, it's, it looked just more fun to me. I was the type of kid that I like climbed up on a soccer goal and tried to do a penny drop off. And that's where you just hang by your knees Mm -hmm. and try to flip around and land on your feet, just like a regulation size soccer goal and dislocated my wrist because I fell on my hands. And (laughs) that seems pretty high though for a younger kid. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I just had no, I had no fear. I wanted to try everything. And, and so yeah, I just, it didn't scare me. It just looked so fun. It looked so exciting. And so, yeah, I walked over after a couple days coaches and finally at the end of like two or three days, they were like, oh, fine, go. <laughs> and they were just like, I just stopped talking. <laughs> and so I, I walked over, the high school coach was working with one of the girls and, you know, I was maybe 60 pounds, 70 pounds. <laughs> There's nothing to me. And I was like, can I try? And I just, I loved it. So you pole vaulted in high school and then you went and you competed at a D2 uh, college. So when did you see the potential and like, I could become a professional pole vaulter. Like this could be my career. I think it was my senior year was when that really clicked. Um, I actually, I went to a division one school for two years and then transferred to Ashland. Okay. Um, and the first two years I really struggled. I had a terrible mental block. I couldn't get off the ground. When I did, I was super hesitant and it was pretty ugly for a while there. Um, but yeah, I, I transferred to Ashland. My coach at my first school ended up leaving. So I, I knew even though Ashland was division two, they had a phenomenal track program. They had a brand new, beautiful outdoor track. I had friends that went there and I just needed to be in a place that I felt good about and felt confident about myself again. And so I went there and it just, yeah, it, it was a slow process. My junior year, it was just about getting my confidence back. And then my senior year is when it, it really all came together. And that's when I started to jump heights that maybe I wouldn't have gotten paid professionally, but it was something that I could compete at at elite level. Um, and I just felt like I had a lot more in me as well because I had had those years that I really struggled. I felt like that maybe set me back a little bit. So I, I felt like if I could do this much in one year on just confidence, what could we accomplish by actually like getting some work done? Um, so yeah, I think that that senior year is when that first hit me, but yeah, I did. I, when I first started pole vault, I didn't know you could be a professional pole vaulter. So that was never really on my radar. (laughs) Well, I mean, since you said that the, the, it wasn't even in the Olympics till 2000, I guess, well, geez, I guess that was 18 years ago. (laughs) Right. It seems like yesterday. I know. It really does. Don't remind me. I know it's crazy, (laughs) but, um, Yeah. yeah, I mean, so it just probably wasn't like a super common thing to see. 
Yeah, no, it definitely was not. Um, and I think that's why I liked it. I think I liked how different it was and how unique it was and kind of made me stand out a little bit, but also that I was good at it. And I just knew that I loved it. I knew I just wanted to keep doing it as long as possible. And then when I found out you could do it professionally, that made me want to go to that next level. But I didn't know that until I would say, I guess I knew college because I knew of Jen Schur and I knew, you know, of Yelena Isambayeva. But I didn't really know that until I got to college because my coach there had used Jen as like a recruiting tool. And so like he, he had, um, worked with her. And so it just, I was like, okay, like, I guess you could do this professionally, but I was struggling so bad. It just wasn't even on my radar until my senior year. Okay. So then tell me about the transition. Like you graduate from college and then how do you get a sponsorship deal? What did that look like? Oh, it was about a five year (laughs) waiting process. Yeah. I mean, really there's Everyone says it. It's it's kind of frustrating, but especially in pole vault, there's just no money in the sport. And it took me, I mean, I was top 10 in the world last year and I still didn't have a prospect for a contract. Um, and I was just basically making money off of meets. Um, so the first few years were really a struggle. Luckily, my mother is wonderful and totally supported me. Um And so she thankfully um, just invested a lot of a lot of her money into into me being able to live. I moved down to Knoxville to work with the coach down there and he was great and I did well. I PR down there, um, but it still wasn't enough to really get anything to live off of. And so that was really my ultimate goal was just. I feel like I have the potential to support myself financially and to make money in this sport. And But to do that, you have to be one of the best. I didn't get a contract until this year when I jumped the fourth highest height in the history of the sport. Wow. Like it's just, yeah, it's it's frustrating, but it just you, makes you realize you don't do it for the money. Yeah. Like you do it because you love it. And yeah, so it's... It, this is not the sport to be in if you want to make money, but if you love it, it's so well worth it. So, but you were representing Adidas for a while. Was that just like a clothing kind of contract thing? Yeah, I never had a contract with them. It was just gear, um, mm-hmm. which was very generous. But yeah, so but I that doesn't that, pay your rent. No, it definitely does not. <laughs> <laughs> so now yeah. you're, but so now you're with Nike. I am. I'm so happy. I just, I love it. I. I think as a kid growing up, that's the dream, especially in the States, you know, like that's, that's the dream to, to be a Nike athlete. And so when that came through, I was just like, uh, I was a little kid on Christmas. It was so exciting and, and they've been so good and it's just been a really, it's been really fun. I'm so, I'm so happy that worked out. Yeah. So is the challenging thing with getting a sponsorship as like a field athlete. So like pole vault, uh, compared to say a 5k runner, is it cause you don't get as much screen time? Like it, what is it? Because obviously the brands want their athletes to be seen. And so that's the people that are seen a lot get picked up. Yeah. I honestly, I wish I knew. I think part of it is that, you know, everyone can run. Everyone runs. 
Like anyone can get off their couch and go run outside and go run a 5K. You just sign up for it. Like pole vaulting is different. Mm -hmm. People don't, the average person does not understand pole vaulting. The average person can understand the fastest man in the world. The average person ran a mile in high school. So like they, they get those things. Um, and so I think with pole vault, it's, it's different. It's unique and it's not something that everyone knows what that's like. You know, it takes a while because we get three attempts at each height and there's passing involved and, you know, it's just, it can, it can get kind of confusing for the crowd, but I personally think it's so exciting that, you know, selfishly we're all like, why are we not featured more? And I do think they're starting to do a better job. I like that NBC Sports Gold is having pole vault specific feeds and and field event specific feeds. And I think that is helping our case a little bit. But yeah, unfortunately, I think that's, yeah, we don't, we're not very popular in the States. Um, And so I think you know, it's a business. And so you need to put your money where you're, you're, you're going to get money back. And so I think just track and field in general, compared to basketball, compared to baseball, compared to any other major sport, it's just, yeah, it's tough. Well, tell us about pole vaulting, because <laughs> like you said, the average person knows about yes. running a mile and, <clears throat> and, the majority of my listeners are runners. So yes. school us on the subject of pole vault, like just yes. the ins and the outs. I will try to break this down as basically as possible. I feel like we get so used to our jargon that <laughs> I'll like say something that just seems so obvious and like people are looking at me like I have two heads. Um, but yeah, so the when you go into a competition – you have an hour on the runway to warm up and just to like get used to just everything. It's always technically the same, but every runway, every plant box, every visual thing is a little different. So they give you an hour on the runway. So when the competition starts, there's a set height progression. Now you can choose to come in at whatever height you want so long as it's in that progression. So if you pass let's say you pass the first height, it means you don't jump at that. So you're saving your energy for the higher heights. Now, if you make that bar you choose to come in at, it means you made every bar you passed on a first attempt. If you miss that, that is a risk. If you miss that, then, and you, and you miss all three attempts because you get three attempts at each height, then, then you're out. And that's called a no height. And that's one of the worst feelings is a pole vaulter. Um, <laughs> you're saving but, energy, but then you're yeah, like, uh, yes. you're really rolling the dice. Yeah. Usually at this level, it's if you're no hiding, it's not because you've passed too high because usually you come in around the same height. It's usually something in your technique or form or something was just off that day. So I know a lot, a lot of people gave Jen slack um at i believe it was worlds this past year because in the pre in the in the prelim she came in at like 450 or 60 and she no heighted and everyone was giving her giving her crap saying she came in way too high and it's just like she's come in at that height every meet it's mm. not that height it was just off that day like yeah And so, but where it gets a little tricky is that you can also choose, 
you get you have three consecutive misses in a row. So let's say you come in at a height and you miss your first attempt and everyone else has made it, you may opt to pass to the next height, but because you already took that first attempt and miss, you only get two attempts at that second height. So usually that comes into play in championship type settings where there's maybe like there's metal, um, there's a metal opportunity. And so let's say there's three people in the first two have cleared that bar and you missed your first attempt. I mean, you're already guaranteed a bronze, but if you want to win a higher medal, it would, it would almost be a waste of time wasting a jump at that height when they've already made it. So you pass to that next height to see if it, because if you clear it on a first attempt or on that technically second, but it's considered a first, then you're in the lead. And it's just a lot can change in the pole vault. It's really exciting in that way. But I think that's where it gets confusing. Yeah, that's like some major strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Usually passing comes into play in major championship settings when medals are on the line. That's usually when that happens. So like, at, in, um, I'm sorry, at Outdoor USA's, I cleared 470 on my third attempt. And then it was just me and Sandy in. Excuse me. And so she, I clear, I'm sorry, she cleared 475 and I missed. And at this point I was already guaranteed second. So I, I passed to 480. She made it first attempt because she was up first in the lineup and I missed. And then I passed to 485 because it just, if you make one of those that it's just, it can change the whole dynamic and it can change your position. And, and I knew I'd cleared those before I maybe didn't that day, but that was the right move to make in that moment because she had already made, and if I was already guaranteed silver, why not go for the gold? And we're talking about meters, right? Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. So yes. how, how many feet is that? So 470 is about 15.5. Okay. Okay. Um, so that's why I'm scared to pull vault. Yeah. <laughs> that seems very high. Yeah. No, it's, uh, as long as you have a, coach that's knowledgeable which at this level every coach is and you know you have a good foundation jumping that high really isn't scary I know there's a lot of pole vault fails out there a lot of those videos but that rarely happens it's actually a pretty safe sport if you if you do it correctly um and so I think it gets a lot of slack because there's a lot of fail videos out there but it's it's actually a lot safer than I think people realize. It's a lot safer than football where you're getting oh, hit. totally. And gymnastics where you're landed on, you know, just a hard ground. You know, I mean, not really. They're on springs, but still. Like, you just, it's a, it's a little bit easier. Uh, I mean, there's obviously risk involved more so than maybe, like, golf. But <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's still, it's not bad. Yeah, no, I just was saw in the news there's a 25 four-year-old football player who's uh retiring because he's had yes. six concussions and like you i know, saw that yeah could you imagine something? at 24 like no having to retire from your sport like that's crazy well and he's consciously you know making the decision but like i mean yeah it would be hard because yeah that's your job that's what you do and it's the dream you have when you're a kid is and you're doing it. NFL yeah. And 
that's really smart on his part. And I give him so much respect for that because yeah, it's, it's hard to walk away from the sport you love. Okay, guys, before I continue my conversation with Katie, I want to thank a couple sponsors who are helping make this show possible. The first is RX Bar. RX Bar is a whole food protein bar. Their core ingredients do all the talking. It's simply like eating three egg whites, two dates, and six almonds with no BS. RX Bars come in 11 delicious flavor varieties. They have no added sugar. And they are gluten-free, soy-free, and dairy-free. Egg white protein stands out as a source of protein that is easy for your body to absorb. I love RX bars. They are a quick and easy grab on-the-go snack. My kids love RX bars too, especially my two, almost two-year-old who is probably my hardest one to feed healthy, nutritious food to. Those toddlers, they're picky. You guys can get 25% off your first order when you go to rxbar.com slash lindsay and use the promo code Lindsay at checkout. That's rxbar.com slash Lindsay. Use the promo code Lindsay. All right, and the other sponsor I wanna thank for this episode is Care Of, which is a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs right to your door. Care Of's fun online quiz asks you about your diet, health goals, and lifestyle choices and takes only five minutes to find out what vitamins and supplements you specifically need. Your vitamins get delivered right to your door in a personalized, easy-to-remember daily pack, perfect for busy, on-the-go lifestyles. And your monthly subscription box can be easily modified at any time. They have vegan and vegetarian supplement options available to match your dietary needs. And I just took the online quiz and got myself an order of my vitamins. And since I am postpartum, they recommended lots of B vitamins, calcium, and magnesium. So I'm excited to get that little pack in the mail. For 25% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins, visit takecareof.com and enter the promo code ANOTHER. Again, you guys can get 25% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins when you visit takecareof.com and enter the promo code ANOTHER at checkout. Now, you guys, all the information for the sponsors of this episode will be in my show notes at lindsayhine.com. And also, if you are signed up for my newsletter, you will get my show notes delivered to your inbox every week. So if you go to lindsayhine.com, you can sign up for my newsletter over there. All right, guys, and know that when you support a sponsor of the show, you're directly supporting this podcast. So for that, I thank you. Let's continue my conversation with Katie. Tell us about training for pole vault, though, because... I heard you mention you only actually jump like three times a week. So what are the yes. skills and what are the things you're doing to prepare for the event? Yeah. So pole vault, we pretty much utilize every aspect of the body. Um, you need to be fast. So we do some sprint training and I'm in the weight room quite a bit doing just like power lifting and Olympic lifting. Um, things that are kind of that quick impulse, that like power movement, um, to kind of simulate that takeoff, that impulse at takeoff. Um, so yeah, we only vault about twice a week, maybe three if I'm in the off season, um, or in the preseason, I should say. Um, and so it's, it's very difficult to vault every day. It's really taxing on the body because even if you're going from a short approach or even, um, if you're just kind, you can't really take it easy. Like ev you always have to have a certain level of intensity when you come down and pole vault and that's, it's very taxing on the body. So 
yeah, we, we will do sprinting workouts. I have an upper body lift day and a lower body lift day. Um, there's more technique days or plyo type days. Um, and so it's just, it's a little bit of everything to kind of keep us well rounded, I guess. Um, you, you need to be fast on the runway. Um, obviously you need to have good, good shoulder stability and strength and, and core, um, and just upper body strength. So it's, it's a, it's a little bit of everything, which is cool because I think there aren't as many sports out there that truly utilize every part of your body. You got fifth at the 2016 trials tied for fifth. I did. I did. So clearly you want to make the 2020 team. Yes. Badly. <laughs> yeah. So what are you, what are you doing in the interim to prepare for that other than hard physical training? Yeah, I. So after I didn't make the team, I kind of reevaluated and said, OK, I had a really good day. I set an outdoor personal best and I still didn't make the team. And so for me, it was like I could be good where I'm at or I could just get a whole new situation and be great. I always felt like I had the potential to be great in this sport. And I knew I was doing a lot wrong, but I was, so I had moved down with that Knoxville coach um, and then was, had moved back home. I was a little homesick. There was some issues going on down there. And so I moved back home and was using his training from a distance, but I was training at my college and and so I just, I knew in that kind of setting, I wouldn't be able to make the changes I needed to. And so that's why I made the move out here. And I just came in with a mindset that I wanted to be all in. The coach out here, his name is Brad Walker. So he's the American record holder and a two-time world champion. And he might be the most knowledgeable person I've ever met in this sport. He's just, I've worked with a lot of coaches and I think he's truly the best because he's able to put into words what he did and why it worked for him. And especially the mental game, that was always my biggest struggle. So he, I knew coming in, I wanted to be all in and just buy in a hundred percent. So more so physically, just emotionally and mentally. And so by doing that last year was, you know, it was good some good, really good things happened, but I was still, you know, maybe I wouldn't say holding on to old things, but just, yeah, I don't, I think last year was just the transition year. And this year was where I was really able to, to, I lost a lot of those mental block things that I had still carried from years ago. And I, I was really able to dial it in this year. And and I, I just feel like I know that in an Olympic year, people come out of the woodwork. You, people will make a team that you don't expect. They just come out that year. They have a, an incredible year or just an incredible meet. And that's what it comes down to is that one meet. So for me, I'm trying to work my butt off so that no one can come out of the woodwork and beat me. <laughs> like I just, I'm going into practice every day, so focused and just trying to better myself every single time I'm on that runway and it's it's really cool and you're in Washington State right now right correct yeah I'm at Washington State University he's the pole vault coach here okay and for so the college. I'm yes and so I'm volunteer coaching so I can 
use the facilities. And so I help coach as well, but it's really more selfish than anything. (laughs) (laughs) Does he coach any other professional athletes? Um, not yet, but he is definitely interested. He's try like he, he would like to have a small elite group. He really enjoys coaching, coaching elites and coaching people that are just super invested. He, he wants athletes that are just, just want it so bad and just have this drive and motivation. And, and so it's, he definitely would like to get a small group together, but as of right now, he's just coaching me and, um, the pole vault and the high jump at WSU. So you're the only elite over there working with him. Does that get lonely? Do you do jumps with the college team? What does that look like? So during the school year, I sometimes will. And that was why I took that, um, that volunteer coach position so that I wouldn't be restricted to only being by myself. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do, especially in the summer, it's all pretty much one-on-one sessions with him, but I think I needed that. I think I needed that one-on-one time to just really push myself. I think when it's one-on-one and there's no one else out there, you want to get it done. And I wanted to do what he was telling me to do because otherwise you're just wasting his time. There's no one else out there to make up for that. And so, and I'm just wasting my time. So it just, it created this motivation. Um, and so it's, I have enough of interaction, yeah, with the kids on the team and I, and I've met some other people out here. So it's worked out well where I don't feel lonely, but I, I have that one-on-one time that I think I needed to start out with. Well, you recently hit a personal record in Monaco. How pumped are you about that? (laughs) I'm very excited. Um, I think it's still, it's still slightly frustrating because I feel like it's still quite a ways off of what my indoor personal best is, but I felt like it was some of the best jumping I had ever done technically. And I was excited coming off that I came back here and I've just had three of the best practices I've ever had before in terms of my technique. Um, my biggest weakness has always been my takeoff. And just it's all about just transferring your energy from the run into the jump as efficiently as possible. And I wasn't doing that. And so I think these past few practices, by having that good meat coming off and knowing that I still have three more that I just want to get after it for I I'm really happy with how that set me up going into these into these sessions so but I still feel like I have a lot more in me so yeah (laughs) what's next what like what are your next meets coming up so I will go to NACAX um which is that North America Central America Caribbean meet in Toronto so I'll wear Team USA uniform which is really fun and my family will get to come to that, which is great. And then um, I'll do the Birmingham Diamond League. And then maybe one other meet after that. We're not quite sure yet. Maybe a smaller meet. But then the Zurich Diamond League final will be my last meet at the end of August. So, Well, you mentioned your family's going to be there. And yeah. you have this, like, your profile picture on your Twitter is 
is you tapping your shoes because that's what yeah. you do for your meats because of your dad. So yeah, talk about your dad. Your dad passed away when you were 16. So yes. Um, yeah, he did. Um, he was just the biggest fan. I mean, he always saw that I had potential in any sport that I did. He could see that I was athletic and I was gifted. And so I think he just he wanted me to be the best that I could be in anything. And so he was the one usually taking me to my pole vault practices. And it was an hour away. So, I mean, in the winter and the summer, my both my parents, um, but, you know, my dad would drive, you know, an hour each way twice a week, two seasons a year um, for me to do this. And he – it was nice because – he didn't know anything about it, so he couldn't coach me. And I think when you're a high school kid, the last, you know, I was a brat, so the last thing I wanted was my dad to coach me. Um, but so that was a really nice balance because he could be there and he would listen and he would, he just took it all in and he just wanted to learn about it because I loved it. Um, and then, yeah, and so he, he just fell in love with it too. And What's actually really funny, he would try to coach me sometimes. He would just regurgitate everything my, <laughs> my coach told me. But I remember, and I've told this to Kelsey, Abby, um, at the state meet my sophomore year, I came in, I think I came in ranked first or second. I came in ranked pretty high, and I placed fifth, and Kelsey won. And I walked over. This is the last meet my dad got to see. And I, and I tell Kelsey this all the time, but I walked over, and he was like, pointing at Kelsey who was still in and he's like do you see how fast she is on the runway like <laughs> that's how you should run and which is ironic because I'm now one of the fastest girls in the world on the runway all I get complimented on is my run I do a lot of other things wrong but <laughs> the run is the one thing that is pretty spot on so it's just kind of funny that it, even in that moment he was still trying to trying to help a little bit but um but yeah, so he, yeah, he passed away when I was 16. Um, he had a heart attack, so it was very mm, sudden. Mm. And yeah, just ever since then, I just, I wrote, I write dad on the inside of my spike. And I've done that since high school. And so it's just, it's kind of funny to me that this is the first picture that's, that's ever caught that. And the fact, like I said, the fact that it's in the Team USA gear just like makes it so much more special. Yeah, because you can't say, I'm going to tap the inside of my shoe. Can someone make sure to get a picture of this? No. Yeah, you're in a meet. I And a lot of times it'll happen and I won't consciously think about it. Like it's gotten to the point now where it's just, I mean, there's like I tap it and I say, let's go, dad. Aww. But it's almost to the point now where it's like. I, it's like habit. And, and so like, sometimes I'll do it without the real conscious thought behind it. And I mean, obviously the, you know, the intent is there, but like, so the fact that they got it, that me, I don't remember, you know, doing that in the competition, but, and so it's just, yeah, it's, it's, I was really happy that, that they got that. That's so young. I mean, I'm thinking my oldest son is six. I'm like, that's in 10 years, you know, like yeah. <laughs> that's so young to lose a parent and for your mom to lose her husband. Yeah, it was, it was tough. Um, my brother was like 11 years old. My sister was 14, I think. Um, and so, but 
one thing that was pretty fortunate for us is that our family is very close, like my extended family, um, more so than I realized the average person is close with their extended family. The I I feel like I've learned over the years just how many people say, oh, I never speak to my cousins. I, I, I barely see my aunts. And I mean, we see them multiple times a year. And my dad had five brothers and sisters. Oh, and wow. so I had many cousins and, and my mom's side, I'm super close with my mom's side. And so it just, they all kind of banded together with us. And I think we're so close. I'm so grateful for that because I heard so many horror stories of families just shunning these people because, you know, like the sisters of mm-hmm. the person that passed away, just shunning the spouse. And, and I'm, just so grateful that didn't happen. And it just, it, it made, makes you realize just how important family is. And, and I'm just so grateful that I have them. So do you feel your dad with you when you do the tap and then you go jump? Like, do you, I mean, there's something like, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's in wherever he is, but do you feel his presence? Yeah, I think, you know, there are instances where, I so he would always wear like this bright yellow track coat. It was obnoxious; you couldn't miss him. Like it was like <laughs> practically neon yellow, because um, our school colors were blue and gold. And so, of course, he had to have the brighter <laughs> option. Um, and so, I just you know seeing someone in a yellow shirt or coat at a meet, and it's just it's little things like that where I'm like, okay, or like if you're at a meet where there's music playing and a song comes on, that's just it reminds me of him. It's like, okay, we're good. (laughs) Well, let's talk about body image a little bit because you've, you've mentioned that that's something that you struggled with in the past and talk about your history with that and how you've gotten to a really healthy place. Yeah, it was, it was really bad for a while. Um, and I mean, when I say bad, I was fortunate in that I wasn't hospitalized. I wasn't, I, I had an eating disorder, but it wasn't to the extent that a lot of people get, um, it's a slippery slope. And I think I was fortunate in that it didn't ruin my career and I wasn't permanently damaged from it. Um, but it was, it was pretty rough for a while. I, I think coming out of college, I, or um, yeah, coming out of college, I had done well. My, my junior year, I was terrible with my diet in, in college and I was just, eating anything and everything I wanted. That was pretty much how I grew up. I had a great metabolism. And so it started to slow down in college, but I kept that same appetite. And so I started to gain weight. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. I think a lot of people look at me and say, oh, you could never gain weight. Oh, you're so skinny, whatever. And granted for how much I was eating, my my metabolism's incredible. (laughs) I'm very thankful for that, but it's still, I mean, I was not in good shape by any means, especially to pole vault. Um, and so my senior year, I went to my college coach and I just, I wanted some nutrition advice, just basic stuff. And I, and I took that and I used it because I knew that in this sport, anything that doesn't help you hurts you, um, in terms of added weight on the body, the pole vault, it's nice because you have to be strong but you do have to be lean. Um, so my first year out of college, I noticed that all the girls were in sports bras. Every time I went to a meet, all the professionals, like they were just all in sports bras. And, 
and I wanted to fit in. Um, and, but the place where I gained weight is in my stomach and I have a very short torso. So I never felt like I looked very good in a sports bra. I never felt like my body looked very proportionate because it's kind of cut off when you wear spandex in a sports bra, like it cuts you off even more, which made me look even more cut off with how my, my body is built. And, and so, and my shoulders are really broad. So I just felt like I looked like a ball on sticks because my legs always stayed the same size. And, and so my, my first year I competed pretty much in a tank top all year, but like my, my sophomore year, I was determined that I was going to wear a sports bra sophomore, my second year out of college. Um, I was determined that I was going to fit in and I was going to wear a sports bra too. And right before the season started, I got horribly sick. I had, um, oh gosh, I had the flu that was like killing people like in 2000. Oh yeah. The H1N1 or whatever. Yeah. And so luckily, Luckily, I had the one that wasn't as bad, but it still took such a toll on me. I mean, I was knocked out for weeks. And so coming back, I only had a couple weeks before the season started. And you don't really get that back that quickly. Well, I went to my first meet and I was like, I'm going to rock the sports bra. And I was super excited. And I got pictures of myself after that meet and I was mortified. I was just so sad with how I looked in those pictures because it just, you know, I, I felt flabby and I felt like I didn't look like I was in shape. I looked soft. I didn't look toned. I, I had love handles and I was just mortified. And in retrospect, it's not that big of a deal, but I just, I, when you go in thinking you look a certain way and then get pictures back where you just look drastically different, it's just like, holy crap. And that hit me so hard that I just kind of took my dieting to the extreme. And I was like, I used that thought process of anything that doesn't help you hurts you to the extreme. And I was eating six meals a day because that's what I was told to eat. But it was like four or five of them would be protein bars. And that was it. Like there was minimal real food. It was, I was counting calories so strictly. And if I did eat a meal where I ate a little bit more, I was just so hard on myself. I was calling myself every nasty name in the book. I would do jumping jacks. I do pushups just in my room at night. And it was just awful. It was a really awful cycle to be in. And, and part of it too, is I was, I had roommates that, that didn't like me very much, which was not very fun. And so I, I just stayed in my room as much as I could. I didn't even want to come out to eat and cook myself a meal. So I just had these power bars in my room. And so it was just, it was just a lot on top of that. And, and I just, there, there was a time when I even like, I ate way too much. I thought at, uh, it was a Mexican restaurant after a meet and you know, it's Mexican. So there's chips and salsa and queso and, the meals are huge and never anything healthy. And I cried the entire way home because I thought I ate way too much and then tried to get myself to throw up. And it was, luckily that didn't happen. Um, I just, as much as I tried, I couldn't get myself to throw up. But I knew bulimia is like one of the leading 
reasons that women's careers go to crap, their athletic careers suffer is because if they have an eating disorder, you're not going to, you know, be able to fuel yourself properly and you're not going to be able to, to compete and succeed the way you want. And I still was willing to risk that because I was just so appalled with myself. And, and I just, I still, even that night, like after I tried, I just laid on my bathroom floor sobbing, but I was like still calling myself all these terrible names, telling myself what a piece of crap I was. And this is my fault because if I hadn't eaten this much, I wouldn't have tried to to throw it up and I wouldn't be in the situation if I could just keep my fat mouth shut. And it was just, it was horrible. I was just in, and, but I couldn't get out of this. And luck, I don't know what it was. I, there was no really major profound moment, but I just kind of slowly but surely, I would say after that kind of worked my way back to just eating a little more and just being a little more healthy. And then it just, it, I just slowly kind of worked my way out of that to where I had a much better mentality. And I wish I could say there was just this one moment where it all kind of hit. Maybe it was that, but I don't think it was. I think it was just kind of a very gradual thing. But so now it's interesting because I'm, I'm, I have a much higher training volume and I'm eating pretty much anything I want. I keep it very well balanced. I try to get, I eat how I told people I was eating back when I was in the depths of that. Um, I just try to eat every few hours, you know, good protein, good complex carbs. I don't try to eliminate anything. Um, I'll treat myself with a, you know, a little bit of dessert the night before a competition and have a cheat meal the night after a competition. So pretty much once a week. Um, and, but I just try to keep it like really well balanced, good meals. And by eating pretty much the amount that I want, like I'm eating good full size meals, but with that high training volume, I'm just, I'm in the best shape I've ever been. And that's, I just cared so much more about how I looked rather than fueling myself properly. And it's ironic because I'm in physically just looking at me better shape and by not worrying about it. And I know how not to get into that again. But I think girls just get so wrapped up in in how they look and how other people look. I mean, you look at, you know, any any person on Instagram that's, you know, an Instagram model or a swimsuit model or what society is pushing on us as beautiful. And it's these long, lean torsos and these girls are not eating nearly enough. And I know that because I was not eating enough. Um, and so I just, I think for me, I'm trying to promote that just healthy looks different on everyone. Um, and I'm in the best shape I've ever been. And I still get pictures where I have a little bit of back rolls. Like, you know what? So be it. Like, it's just, <laughs> yeah. So do you I was, think, do you think your motivation to like, thrive as an athlete do you think that that's what fueled you to get healthy and fuel yourself with the amount of food that you actually really needed yeah I think that was part of it um I after that season I so the first season that I had ever competed professionally or post-collegiately I had this new nutrition plan and almost it's it was not a diet 
but to me it felt like a diet because it was you know, stricter than anything I had ever had before. And so I think that first summer when I went off it, I went crazy and just ate anything and everything because I could. And then it was like playing catch up. And so then by the time the season started, I still wasn't, and on top of getting sick, I still wasn't quite where I was. So that next summer after that whole experience, um, I think I just took it a lot easier and still tried to incorporate a lot of the same eating habits, the just eating every few hours, trying to keep it more protein. And, and now I'm incorporating a lot more fats in my diet. Um, and so I think just, it was learning how to just, you know, it wasn't disciplining myself by eating this way. It was just a good way to fuel myself and it was a good way, good, healthy way to be. Do you, even though you're in a healthy place, like you have mentioned, you weigh 20 pounds heavier now, but it's like muscle and, you know. So actually I weigh less than I ever did in high school, but it's all muscle. There's, I, it's interesting because I've, you know, was always told muscle weighs more and it does, but I think that just shows I had muscle, but was also, I had quite a bit of fat on me as well. And so the combination of the two, I would say the worst I ever got was my junior year of college. And I'm now about 15 pounds lighter than I was then, which is kind of crazy to think about, but it's all, it's all good, good muscle. And, and I'm, and I'm eating and it's, it's just interesting how that's all I wanted. And I was just doing it completely the wrong way. Oh, okay. I think I misheard you when I heard you interviewed somewhere else. Thanks. I thought you said you weighed more now, but so. Well, I weigh more than what I did when I was like, like in the worst of it. Okay. That's 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 the time I was thinking of. Yeah. So I was down in like in the one twenties and I'm five, eight and you know, so now I would, I would say I'm definitely a bit heavier than I was then, but that's because I had nothing to me. I couldn't build muscle because I had nothing to, to you, build it with. <laughs> you were under eating. Yes. Drastically. Yeah. Um, so do you feel like you're in a, like, do you struggle still or do you feel good on a regular basis? I mean, do you look at pictures still and have those thoughts or are you in a completely yeah. healthy space? It's hard. It's hard because you know, do we ever 100% recover from those feelings? Yeah. And do they creep in sometimes? I think, I think once, so that next year when I, the year immediately after coming off of that, when I started PRing and jumping, I jumped 15 feet for the first time. I think that kind of made me realize like, okay, you're, you're, I was always just trying to prove that I could be a great jumper. I was all, I think that was my ultimate goal. And I, I always felt like if I looked a certain way, then the results would follow. And, you know, the res- it, it, the real thing is if you fuel yourself properly, you're going to get the results you want. And I just, I was, I was looking at that so backwards. And so I think that next year by having success and, and just being way more relaxed with that, and then it's, it's kind of grown exponentially, but now it's like I, I just don't worry as much about that. And maybe part of it is because I'm in the best shape I've ever been in. But that's not the driving factor. I just I want to jump high. 
And I know by putting this amount of work in and eating this way, I will get results and my body is responding. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I still have moments where I'll get a picture and be like, oh, that's not cute. Like, it's just, <laughs> like, like I said, I, it was, there was a picture the other week where I, I, I'm in the best shape I've ever been in. I am 135 pounds at five, eight. So like, I'm, I'm lean, like, and you know, the, it was a picture of me from the back and my, my back is, I would say the, the last place that I lose any bit of fat. And it was kind of rolled over on itself. And I'm like, well, that's, that's not exactly cute, but whatever. I'm jumping when I'm one of the best jumpers in the world. And so I think my ultimate goal was to jump high. And so I think because I'm, I'm doing that, it, it helps me to almost not care. Um, but again, it's, it's hard to say, and I don't want to sound like a hypocrite, like, oh, well, she can say that now because she looks good, but, or because she, you know, is fit or whatever. But I, the driving motivating force behind that is jumping high and I'm doing the things, putting the work in lifting, um, doing a lot more volume and just, and eating how I need to eat to be able to sustain that volume. And the body's just responding. Well, and I think there's something to be said for like, it's okay to want to feel like you look good like yeah you know and and, and it's and this is such I mean, a big compete in nothing <laughs> yeah, yeah and that's okay like you know I I think that I'm the kind of person that has a pretty healthy body image but like I'm a human being and if the, yeah. someone takes a picture and my arm looks big or something like right I'm a huge it's it's not unfair or you know whatever yeah. for me to say I don't like how that looks like I can say that and still and still be confident. Yes. And still be healthy yeah. and still be and it, e- eating plenty, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. I think getting on the circuit and realizing that pretty much almost every other girl had something about themselves they weren't a hundred percent confident in. And these are the girls that I was trying to look like. So I, it was just very eye opening to hear them maybe complain about something on their body or just, you know, maybe have just a little bit of insecurity with something. And I'm looking at them like, you're perfect. So maybe my view of myself is flawed. Yeah. Like I think when people look at us, they see the whole image. And when we look at ourselves, we pinpoint the worst possible things. And so it just, you just, you kind of have to look at yourself through someone else's eyes and just see the whole image. I think that that's kind of helped me as well. No one's going to pinpoint your whatever you think it is that's wrong with you. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's like if I think that my nose is a little pointy or something, like that's probably not what everybody else is zooming no. on. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one's going to notice. All right, Katie. Well, um, tell me, what's one thing professionally or personally that you haven't done that you'd like to do? Um, so professionally, I would just love to break the world record and win an Olympic gold. And it's interesting because I always felt silly saying that. Um, and I almost felt like, no, that's too lofty. I shouldn't say that. And, and having gone for it indoors, the world record and just being in a position now, it's like, yeah, I can say that. And I should have said it before. Um, then I, yeah. So those are my biggest goals there. Um, personally, I, I have a whole bucket list on my phone um, of things that I want to do. Um, and that's, 
anything from building my own house to um, I want to play with a baby panda bear. <laughs> um, I want to go eat pasta and wine taste in Italy. Just a lot of it involves travel. I have a lot of restaurants that, you know, Facebook will always have restaurants pop up of things you need to try. And so I just put those down on all of them. Um, but yeah, I, there's a whole lot that I want to do in my life. <laughs> What's an accomplishment you're most proud of? So I think a lot of people um, would say, would think that I would say it's when I jumped 491 at Indoor USA's and they're not far off. I would say that's probably the second best one. Um, but my favorite one is my sophomore year of high school. I was at the conference meet and I was the last vaulter in. So once you're the last one in, you get to choose what height you go to. And I had one with 10 foot something and I had never jumped 11 feet before. And for a pole vaulter to break that foot barrier is a big deal mm. uh, at any level. So once you get that next foot barrier, it's it's a big deal. And But the meet record was 11 feet. And so I asked my coach to just put it at 11, which was dumb of me, but I just wanted to break that foot barrier. And he... I, I went to the back of the runway and I came down and I cleared it and I was ecstatic because it was a new PR. I had cleared 11 feet for the first time and they came over the announcement, the loudspeaker, and they said that it was 11-1 and they had secretly put it to 11-1 without telling me. Oh my gosh. And so I was... Is that allowed? Yeah, yeah. Because it just, as long as you clear it, yeah. Um, and... So my dad was coaching the, or the timing, the sprints, and he ran over and he was, he had tears in his eyes Aww. and he gave me the biggest hug. And I guess later he called my mom and was just made some comment. And I guess he would say this a lot, but he was just like, I don't know how I'm going to walk her down the aisle one day. Like he would just say that. And I, I, it just doesn't matter what else I do in this career. Like very few things. I don't think there'll be anything that just tops that moment with him in it. So uh, do you think yeah. about that? Like missing out on your dad, walking you down the aisle? Um, yeah. I mean, it's something that it just, it sucks. But at the same time, it's like, I, my, I mean, my family's so close. Like I'll, I'll have my mom do it. And I was wondering who you would have. To yeah. Do. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple, I'm very lucky. There's a few people that I know I could consider and that it would be right. But it wouldn't be more right than my mom. So yeah, it's, I think I'm, I'm really good with it and I can talk about it and I could talk about him. But if I'm at a wedding, whenever the father daughter dance comes on, I just, I lose it. That's the only time I lose it, but I do. And, um, yeah, I mean, obviously you're gonna, I mean, there are always going to be moments that you, she was there and they're going to be bigger moments than others, but I just, I like to think he's, he's looking down and he's happy. So, yeah, you know, and when your dad would say that, like, I don't know how I'm going to walk her down the aisle, like 
as a parent, like he was really thinking that already, you know, it's like we <laughs> yeah. think about these things. I mean, I'm telling I you, I like already know what song I want to dance to my son with. And he's uh-huh. six. like, hopefully he yeah. won't get married for at least another 20 years, you know? <laughs> so like, it's crazy yeah. that as a parent, you think about those moments in the future. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm happy he was he never like hid that and he never was afraid of that emotional side because it's, it's things like that, that I take with me, you know, my whole life. So, yeah. Yeah. If you could have coffee or cocktail with someone fun or motivating, who would it be? So I, um, I'm big into fashion and I actually did, uh, a study abroad in Paris. My, my, um, senior year of college, um, for a fashion program. And so I have a whole bunch of books by Tim Gunn. He's the, um, the, uh, the mentor on project runway. And I just, I just love him. I just think he's so creative, but such a kind person. And I would just, I, I love watching the show because of him. And just, it's, I think it's so incredible how he can, look at something a designer is making and it's in shambles and he can just say a couple things to get them to the right place. And, you know, I just, I, yeah, I love fashion. And so I, I would definitely pick him. That's a fun choice. <laughs> yeah. It's different. I think a lot of people would assume it'd be an athlete of some yeah. sort. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fun. What's the best, most recent book you've read? So I love suspense thrillers. Um, and so I just read one recently that's called the couple next door. It's so captivating from beginning to end. I, I'm a very slow reader because I get very scatterbrained. And so, uh, I lose my train of thought very quickly. So if a book can keep me captivated from beginning to end, it's a pretty good book. And, um, I'm excited because my middle school teacher actually just wrote his first book. Oh, fun. And so, yeah. And so he sent that to me and I'm only like three chapters in, um, uh, but it's, it's got, I think a murder mystery in it. It's got romance. It's got Cleveland, Ohio. So, <laughs> so, um, I'm, I'm excited. It's called before we ever spoke. And so I'm, I'm really excited to get into this one. So what's his name? Uh, Daniel Largent. Okay. We'll put that, we'll link to that in Awesome. Is the book out or did he send you a free copy? No, I think it's out. I I think it's all, yeah. Daniel, what was his last name? Largent, L-A-R-G-E-N-T. Okay, cool. Um, Well, Katie, this was so fun. I'm so glad we got to connect and you got to teach us about pole vault. That was fun. (laughs) I hope it made sense. It gets even confusing when I try to explain it. (laughs) I get it. Well, you know, I was actually a really terrible, uh, high jumper in high school. Like, <laughs> I was actually a distance runner, but I was just like, I'll do high jump too. Cause it's fun. <laughs> and so I kind of like understood the, a little bit about the, like opting to start at a higher height, which I never yeah. did because <laughs> I hardly cleared the lowest height. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's, it's kind of complicated, but it's just so fun. And I think, yeah, just clearing a bar is just the ultimate feeling of elation that's hard to compare well we will look forward to uh watching you get after that gold medal 
Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Uh Uh-huh. Have a great rest of the day. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening today. Thanks, Katie, for coming on the show and sharing your knowledge in the sport of pole vault. We will all be cheering for you as you continue to grow in your career. You guys make sure you head over to our show notes over at lindsayhine.com to check out all of our sponsors of the podcast today. If you are gearing up for your fall marathon and if you are thinking about what you're going to fuel with for your spring races, make sure you check out Generation You Can. That is my fueling source of choice when I am marathon training. And you guys can go to shop.generationyoucan.com and use the code ANOTHER to save 15% off your order of You Can products. If you enjoyed this show today, I would appreciate it if you would share it with your friends, family, whoever you think might enjoy this podcast. And if you're looking for more content for me, you can find that on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash where you can support the show for as little as three or five dollars a month and you'll get bonus content conversations with my husband glenn past guests come back on the show and i also do bonus questions with guests as well all right guys thanks so much for listening today enjoy the rest of your friday have a great weekend and as always i'll see you next friday